We all want to be happier, but how do we get there? First, we start by realizing happiness is not a destination. Being happy consists of micro action steps every single day. I'm your host, Brittany King, and I'm here to guide you along the way. All right. Welcome back to the Positively Real podcast. I am your host and coach, Brittany King. And I am I was already excited about this interview today, but then as Robin and I were talking before we hit record, I got even more excited. So I was like, you know what? We need to stop talking right now and we just need to hit record and take, you know, get this whole entire conversation flowing. So Robin McKay, welcome to the podcast. How are you today? I'm so good. And I'm so excited to be here with you to talk about what we're going to talk about. You know, when your name came through my, my inbox and this was before I went on maternity leave, I, I was just like really drawn to it. A, you're from, you're from Phoenix, you're living in Scottsdale. So I was like, okay, we have an Arizona on the show, but then just what you're all about. And I was like, oh my gosh, I hope that I have a chance to talk to Robin before I go on maternity leave. And it didn't work out because, you know, there was a, there was a short window of time that I was available. So I'm just so glad that we were able to reconnect and make this happen because I am so excited to learn from you. So let's just get right into it. Why don't you introduce yourself, who you are, what you're up to in this world, and then we'll dive in. Thank you so much. And congratulations on that baby too. Thank you. I'm Dr. Robin McKay. I have a PhD in counseling psychology from the university of Kansas, where I studied gifted education. So high, high ability people. I studied positive psychology. I studied spiritual intelligence, all this at a state school, which is quite remarkable. Anyway, I was very blessed to have faculty around me who just loved and supported me and believed in my vision. And that's what I've been doing ever since I graduated literally years ago. Now it's fascinating how quickly time goes. Mm -hmm. Uh, I have a long history of working with gifted and talented people, but where I love to spend my time and energy and attention right now is focusing on people who are intuitive, who are very, very bright, Oftentimes they're entrepreneurs, sometimes they're still in the corporate space, but what they share in common is a is a the intersection of intuition plus intelligence. And so I talk about things like how to recover from burnout, how to prevent burnout from happening in the future. And my very, very favorite thing to talk about is the connection between ADHD and spiritual entrepreneurship, anything around spirituality just really is where I'm sitting, sitting right now is just, uh, something that's so important. I think in the world that we're living in right now is to give those spiritual entrepreneurs like you, like me, who also happen to have an ADHD diagnosis, the encouragement and the information that we need in order to really make the difference that we're here to make in the world. Mm, I honestly feel like you were dropped into my <laughs> inbox for a very important mm-hmm. reason, because before we hit record, when, when Rob and I were talking, when I saw that she has this big focus on ADHD for spiritual entrepreneurship, I was like, where did this come from? Because I, I was diagnosed with ADHD at a very young age. I was on medication for as long as I could remember. And then I cut, I stopped taking it cold Turkey and navigating 
this world um, has been, it's been crazy and hard, but also amazing because I keep surprising myself. And somehow I became an entrepreneur. And I'm just so excited to have this conversation with you to see like kind of how this has unfolded for me, because sometimes I pinch myself, I'm like, how did I get here? Because if you would have asked me, you know, 10 years ago, I would have never guessed that this is where I would be in my life because for most of my life, I thought I was broken. I thought there was something seriously wrong with me. And the, the schooling system I was in was basically saying that there was something wrong with me. So I really believed it. And they, they made it very clear that I, that I was, there was something wrong. So this is just a magical Mm -hmm. divine yeah. universal mm -hmm. connection. And I'm just so excited to talk to you about this. I'm also so envious because if I would know what I know now, like even five years ago, when I started getting into this work, I would have loved to study positivity psychology. I would have loved to study all the things that you just said you went to school for. Like that is where my heart truly is. And I know, you know, it's not too late. And like the, the thoughts that I have, but I get to learn from people like you, which just makes me so grateful. But if I could redo it, like that's what I would have done. So I just had mm. to share that because I'm like, Oh, that's so amazing that you went down that path and you just kind of followed that intuition. So let's, let's dive in because I definitely want to talk about burnout. I want to, I want to talk about all the things that you love to talk about, because I also love to talk about these things. And I find the people that I work with are often in a space where they are done with their corporate job. They're totally burnt out. And they think that hitting eject and moving on to something else is going to make them feel better. And I'm always the one to pull back the reins and be like, hold on, we need to find like this piece where you currently are at before you move on to the next thing because it's just going to follow you because it's us. We're creating it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like if you leave right. your corporate job and go do something that's your, you know, your passion or your purpose, you'll just get burnt out on that too, unless you learn how to manage it. So there's just so many things that I'm excited to talk about, but I want to kind of start with, um, where this intersection is with ADHD and intuition and like spiritual entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's such an important conversation. It's not one that is, we typically see in the conversations that are going on, whether it's on Instagram or TikTok or wherever you're hanging out, getting your ADHD information. And to just reflect back to you, what you said about feeling broken. I felt like that a lot when I was a kid, mm -hmm. I didn't get a diagnosis of ADHD until I was in graduate school. And in part, I self-diagnosed. I remember I was on internship and I was, I was working with all of these college students who had ADHD. And I started thinking like, maybe that's what's wrong with me. <laughs> so I took, I was on whatever WebMD and I took the quiz and I called my sister. I've got twin sisters who also have some attention challenges. Mm -hmm. And I called her, I'm like, take this quiz. So she took it, she kind of took it. And I was like, I said, so what did you get? And she said, I don't know. I really wasn't paying attention. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but so we sort of, my sisters are both MDs. I have my PhD. And so we're very highly educated. And somehow, even in spite of our um, executive functioning challenges that we've had, have accomplished quite a bit in our lives. So where I really sit at is the intersection between intelligence and what I mean by that is how quickly you process information, make sense of things and know what to do about them with something like ADHD. So it's what we call twice exceptional, being very, very bright and having something else going on. That's something else in this case is ADHD. What I have found 
since then, since graduate school, is that there seems to be a pretty strong relationship between women who have a diagnosis of ADHD, typically an inattentive brand or or type of, of ADHD, plus a very strong connection with divine source, with their intuition, with their imagination, their capacity to see beyond what you know, the 3D, the five senses might be picking up on hmm. to know things without being able to really explain why you know them. Like when I was a kid, maybe this happened for you too, but I could always tell when my teacher was going to give a pop quiz mm-hmm. every time with it. So I would just study and then, you know, as best I could. And then I would get better grades than the, you know, sp- surprise pop quiz that you were just supposed to kind of haphazardly guess at. So I wanted to share that because when you get diagnosed with something like ADHD really starts to shape you. Some people will say, oh, it was such a relief to finally understand what was going on. But when you're a little kid and you're pretty smart, and then you've also got this executive functioning difficulty mm-hmm. uh, or difference, we'll call it, um, there can be that sense of, I feel broken. Mm-hmm. And even though, you know, what the, you, you get the label, but then there's all of the projections that go along with the label, mm-hmm. but then start to interfere with your natural capacity to tap into your intuition. Mm-hmm. Does this make sense? Yeah. I mean, I feel so seen. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, that's, it's so fascinating because I'm so intuitive and sometimes my intuition freaks me out a little bit of just like people that I call like a breakup going to happen. Like, and I don't know why I just had an intuitive hit. And then I get a call two days later and it's just, Mm -hmm. it's really, it's happened. And that's just one example, but uh, my intuition is really, really powerful. And it's just interesting to hear that. Um, And I'm so curious about getting diagnosed so early on, but then also being on medication of like Mm -hmm. how that hindered my, my development, because I just, I hid from anything academic. I was so afraid. I was like school, like what's ironic is the school that I went to my, um, from pre-K until ninth grade, I live down the street from it now. And I used to get such bad anxiety. Like there was this roundabout that I would be turning that roundabout and I would be like sick. My stomach hurt so bad because I just going to school was the worst for me. And now I walk by with like, just like so (laughs) happy because I'm living a totally different life now, but it's just very fascinating because it was very and, And that was your intuition speaking to you saying, I don't want to go there. It reminds me, I wrote a book when I was in grad school called smart girls in the 21st century with my mentor, Barb Kerr. And I just want to give context with the story that I'm about to, to share, which is that she has been very public about this as well. So it's nothing private that I'm sharing. Barb's daughter, Gracie is this gifted photographer. She's, I think she just turned 32 or something like that. She's, you know, millennial, incredibly gifted photographer. She lives in Iceland now. She's got two Icelandic babies and a husband and is creating her life there. But when she was in elementary school, she got an ADHD diagnosis. She's very, very bright. And the story is that in fourth grade, they had a parent teacher conference where the teachers came in and said, Gracie is messy. Her desk is disorganized. You know, all of the things that Gracie wasn't doing right. Mm-hmm. And afterwards, and both her parents are psychologists and her dad finally said, I thought 
this conference was to help and support our daughter, but clearly it was not, it was just to criticize her. And afterwards, when they left, they checked in with Gracie. How do you feel, Gracie? What's going on? And she said, I feel like somebody pulled my heart out from my chest and smashed it on the ground. Mm. And I think that that's the experience that a lot of gifted girls have, or, you know, very bright girls have who have a diagnosis early on that there's a lot of criticism from the neurotypicals. Why can't you just be? Mm-hmm. Well, you're just careless. If you would just pay attention, then you wouldn't. And I was actually rereading some of the diagnostic criteria last night for the DSM-5 um, diagnostic criteria for ADHD. And I was reading some of these phrases clearly written by neurotypical people. <laughs> and I'm like, I feel so just, and it's no wonder I felt so defensive when somebody would say, well, Robin, if you would just check your work, well, you know what? Yeah. I did check my work and my brain doesn't see when I transpose numbers. Mm-hmm. Yes. So there must be something inherently wrong with me. Yeah. The, get, the gift in this capacity to defocus, we'll call it, which is actually what it is, yeah. has to do with imagination mm-hmm. and being able to see into and see beyond what's in the 3D, you know, touch, taste, feel, smell, hear realm. The other thing I want to share with you is that there's a personality factor called openness to experiences. It's one of the big five personality factors that exist in all humans around the world. Openness to experience is highly heritable. So you can get it from your parents. Um, And it's a hallmark of the creative personality. A lot of people who are highly open to experiences receive a diagnosis of ADHD and attentive type. One of the key features of openness is imagination. So you get called a daydreamer. Mm-hmm. I'll stop, stop daydreaming. Mm-hmm. Pay, hey, pay attention. I just snap on my fingers. Like, yeah. you know, those, so you can see this push pull mm-hmm. and this, these projections that we take on as intuitive people, we take those on as our own. And of course, Brittany, you would think that there was something wrong with you because everybody around you was telling you that not everybody, but there's a sensitivity like that. to that, that yeah. wish to be different. Yeah. That wish oh, to be different. All, and I can, I can even think about the time that I have wished even on my entrepreneurial journey, I wish that I was different. Like I wish that I was more organized. I wish like there were so many things that, um, I wish were different and it really is so detrimental, but what's so fascinating about what you just said about, you know, neurodiverse brains and imagination, and I am a visionary and I've any personality test that I've taken, like I am an enthusiastic visionary. I do that very well. It's obviously the integration of it is where my challenge is, but I get it to earth bringing it to earth. Like, and I remember it being like, she's so aloof. She's date. Like I would, I get that all the time. My teachers would, would tell my mom that. And, um, you know, now it feels, I feel so like understood. And I can even like feel my inner child, like tighten up a little bit Mm -hmm. as we're talking about this. Like she kind of is sad and like, Mm -hmm. I can feel her just like inside of me, like curl into a little ball and like want to hide. And it's just so fascinating because I love visualization. I've always 
just visualize things. And like my, my friends laugh because I could just ma- like, you know, manifest things, just yeah. they, I don't talk about them out loud. And then it happens and not as that simple, like there's action that's, that goes into it, but it is pretty crazy. Um, the manifestations that have happened in my life that I sometimes just can't explain. And I, and I do think that because I've gone into this work and I've tapped more into my intuition, it is easy for me to visualize and like live in that space of possibility and then watch it materialize through like the actions and the things that I take. So I've never actually understood that about ADHD brains and and being in like the daydreaming and how that's actually benefited me mm-hmm. like throughout my, you know, my, most of my adult life. It's a highly creative state to be yeah. in, but yeah. one of the most disappointing things. I know you'll be able to relate to this. When I was a little girl, my family had a very, very rustic cabin in the Black Hills where I grew up in South Dakota, like no running water, nothing. But I love that cabin so much. And because there's a big bed of clover in the front yard and I would lay on my tummy and I would pull four leaf clovers. Mm -hmm. I could just find them and pull them. And when I would find one, I knew I was probably four years old. I would wish on my four leaf clover for a closet filled with clothes, closet filled with beautiful dresses. That's, oh my gosh, I could feel it. I could see it. Mm-hmm. I would imagine it. And it was so powerful to me. And I would go home with my dirty fingernails and my dirty feet and my, you know, looking like a cabin kid, I would throw up in the doors to my closet and there's nothing hanging in there except my ordinary clothes with the little plastic kid hangers. So disappointing. <laughs> and that was very confusing to me. because it was so real. And then I got home and I, obviously I didn't understand the, it takes a little bit of time to manifest things, especially when you're a little kid. Now I have a closet full of beautiful clothes. (laughs) That little girl (laughs) in me is very happy with all of them. Every time you open those doors, I'm like, the angels are singing. (laughs) So there is something about when you are so highly imaginative, there's that diagnosis that comes in as a way of quelling imagination Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to bring somebody, a spiritually intelligent being back into, I'm going to call it normal space Mm -hmm. to be like everybody else, to be the clone, to be the cog, to be the robot, Mm -hmm. like everybody else, except you're a magical creature living among muggles. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Um, Yes. You see, I see So when we come into entrepreneurship, then of course we can see our businesses thriving, but then when, you know, stuff goes sideways, which it inevitably does, it can be disappointing, disappointing, disheartening, discouraging Mm -hmm. when things aren't materializing as quickly as you can see it in your vision. And that's kind of the disconnect. As soon as, Mm -hmm. as soon as something doesn't materialize immediately, then you start thinking what's wrong with me. Something's wrong with me because from the time you're a little kid, something's been wrong with you. Mm -hmm. Is that landing? Yeah, that definitely is landing because it is almost trying to, um, if you're thinking that for most of your life, that there's something wrong and then it there's evidence it's like, oh, there's that, that shame. And I'm, I'm really curious. I mean, there, I have a couple of questions about this because I'm curious with an ADHD diagnosis. Like I have this belief that, you know, the distraction, like it's, it's kind of like disassociating from like what's going on. What would you say, is there a connection between trauma and ADHD? Thanks so much for asking that question. It's something that has come forward recently in my own, as I've been tuning into how my 
spirit, how my guides want to be able to have these conversations about ADHD. So yes. And the short answer is yes, there is a connection between the two. I see it as, so we have personality first. Your listeners are going to be able to see me talking with my hands, but if you think about personality being at your core and the core of your personality is your openness to experience, it's how your creator created you. Mm -hmm imaginative, challenging the status quo, loving adventure, Mm -hmm. loving to learn, you know, that kind of, that kind of spirit that you are Mm -hmm. born with and, and created with. So that's the core. Then we have the nervous system Mm -hmm. and the nervous system is wired in a certain way. And it's, it varies across people, right? There are some people who are, have, are completely non-neurotic, they're like rocks, nothing. They're unshakable, unflappable. They're really good in emergency situations. Everybody leans in and counts on them. Mm-hmm. So I would say that their nervous system is more like just, just very, very solid and non-reactive. Then we have a nervous system that has some executive functioning challenges, whether it's ADHD or a mood disorder or anxiety social anxiety, impulsivity. We've got that layer. Then on top of that, now we've got the trauma. We've got just the, the experience of living life as a human being. Mm-hmm. And I, I know everybody has trauma. Mm-hmm. There are some people who have micro traumas. We all experience those almost every single day. Mm-hmm. And then there are some of us who have macro traumas as well. I think most of the world has macro traumas as well. A lot of them are undiagnosed. Mm-hmm. So energetically, psychologically, we have to get at those layers in order to unfurl and completely actualize that inner being, that core of your personality, that open, creative, intuitive, imaginative being who's here to transform, who's here to contribute, who's here to master. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's how I'm thinking about trauma in terms of the ADHD. Mm. Getting a diagnosis of ADHD can be traumatic. Mm-hmm. There can be soul loss involved with that. Like my friend, my friend's daughter, Gracie, she probably has some trauma around that whole conversation in fourth grade about messy desk, Gracie, mm-hmm. and she's daydreaming Gracie. Like, how does that affect how she views herself, how she interacts with the world, for example? Mm-hmm. That's so interesting. Cause I I've always kind of been curious and about that. And like, there has to be some sort of connection. And I am kind of in this journey of trying to explore like what those traumas were, um, because there's definitely moments in my day and like, I'm, I'm working on this myself personally, trying to figure out what my triggers are, because I do notice when I like disassociate and I don't like all of a sudden I'm just like, wait, what was going on? Or I get really, really tired while I'm having a conversation. And I know that those are like, those are signals and Mm -hmm. I'm, trying to figure out like what those connections are. Um, because I do find it really interesting. Like I'll be having a conversation and I'll just be like, so tired all of a sudden. And I know that that's not normal. And I know that that, like, I, I believe that there has to be a connection with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it could be, I, when I'm bored and if I'm in a group, I'm going to be counting ceiling tiles. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be counting how many light bulbs are burned out in the hall that I'm in. Like there's all kinds of stuff like that, that I'll do. And when I look at whether I, whether it's dissociation or just sort of leaving your body for whatever reason, it can be around a trauma. It could be around boredom actually. Mm -hmm. 
Mm. It could be around a response to somebody's bad vibes that you're just not interested in participating. And so your spirit, like literally just your consciousness takes off yeah, and goes and does something else because why would I want to be here? Mm -hmm. I think that for spiritual entrepreneurs, one of the things that we collectively have to work on is staying in our physical bodies. Yes. All of our manifestations come through these little bodies that we have. Mm -hmm. And if we're not fully embodied, Mm -hmm. two things happen. One is it's going to take longer to create, to bring in those Mm -hmm. things that we desire. Two is that other energies can start kind of encroaching. Because yeah. if you're not in your body, somebody's somebody, I'm using air quotes here, but something, something is going to fill that space. Mm-hmm. Could be depression, it could be anxiety. Mm-hmm. I know that when I feel really ungrounded, one of the first things I'm going to do is look at my my water intake, my food. Am I thirsty? Am I hungry? Am I really tired or am I tired of this conversation? Why am I being drained? Is it an energetic cord from mm-hmm. somebody who's tapped into me who's being a parasite? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah. So we can't, as spiritual entrepreneurs, we can't only look at 3D solutions to our problems. We have to look at, I call them 5D solutions Mm -hmm. to the the difficulties that we have energetically. A lot of what we have to do is managing our energy. Mm -hmm. Can you, so for someone that's listening, that's like, 3D, like they're, they're, they're new to the different they're like, dimensions what? and they're like, tell me more. There's a different dimension. Yeah, yes. Um, could you give just like a general overview of what that means? Sure. Sure. So I'll, I'll preface this by saying, sometimes I feel like I'm living in either the hunger games or the matrix. So we'll just totally. s- say that, like, uh, yeah. like what is going on here? <laughs> so if we look, everything has a frequency. The desk, I was in fourth grade when I realized, when I learned in science class that the desk that I was sitting at was made of molecules and the molecules were moving, but they were moving very, very slowly compared to my physical body or compared to the air or whatever. It's fascinating to me. So everything has a frequency and let's just give the frequencies numbers. Let's give the frequencies numbers from zero to let's say a thousand. And if we look at a thousand as being pure love, truth, light, of the highest and purest quality and zero being the polar opposite of that, whatever that is for you. Hell, I don't know what that is, but it's the polar opposite of it. Let's say 3d, the 3d world is operating at like, we'll say, we'll give it the number 250. And then we have, so that's, that's one frequency it's moving, but it's slower moving. Mm-hmm. Then we move into 4D, which is a little bit quicker, 5D, which is even quicker. Let's give that a number of like 500. Mm-hmm. So there are frequency shifts that we have all day, every day, even just internally to us. Um, the most grounded I think that we can be is high frequency, but also in our bodies. And that's what I think about as like a 5D frequency. It's higher frequency than, you know, the zombies on can you tell that I'm a big sci-fi person <laughs> on the walking dead or something like that? Yeah. yeah. Right. So being awake, being aware, being conscious, being intuitive is going to create the conditions for you to just move faster. Mm-hmm. Your molecules in your body are moving faster than somebody who's maybe not intuitive. Mm-hmm. Maybe somebody who's very smart, but not particularly intuitive or creative might have a lower frequency. Mm-hmm. Does that help? Yeah, Definitely. I think, you know, 
when, when we're talking about frequency, like we don't realize that everything is energy. Everything is energy around us is energy. And when we start tuning into that, we can start to understand and have the awareness of why they're feeling a certain way or why something isn't working because that frequency is, is off or like even an interaction between two, two beings. So let's get back to the embodiment then, because I think that this is so important, um, because I work with so many clients that are so disconnected from their bodies. And one of the first things that I really do with them is help them build a stronger emotional vocabulary because Mm -hmm. there's three words that we use in our vocabulary. And there are so there's hundreds of words to describe emotions, but usually it's like, how are you feeling? Good. I think there, how does that feel? Terrible. Um, and it's like, you know, we can use those words, but they're not, they're not as, um, they don't actually help us understand ourselves. Right. Right. So what are some embodiment practices that we can tangibly do daily to help get more into our bodies? And thank you for just clarifying that embodiment sounds like one of those words, like, what does that even mean? But just staying present in your body paying attention on purpose to your physical body. So you're telling me the story about those three words that your clients use. Mm -hmm. I helped to start the Herberger Academy at ASU, which is the school for highly able kids. It's over on the West campus. I'm talking, you know, because you live in this this city. Um, And so I was working with gifted kids. A lot of them had ADHD. A lot of them were super intuitive. They're very, very bright and they had no emotional vocabulary. Mm -hmm. So did you ever see that there's a, there's a page of faces, like yes. a little cartoon like, faces. Yes, I like the, uh-huh. the I words. think about that all the time. <laughs> yes. The kids would come into my office and these are like seventh, eighth grade, ninth grade kids would come into my office and say, Dr. McKay, and they'd pick up the chart and they would look, they would scan for the, I'm feeling this today. And to me, that was such great progress from not even being able to name your emotions. So one of the embodiment practices is to be able to name your emotions. Mm-hmm. When you name your emotions, two things happen. One is that the emotion itself starts to dissipate because you're actually shifting your activity in the brain from the amygdala, which is largely responsible and associated with feelings of fear, anxiety, anger. Mm-hmm. So when you say what you're feeling, you're shifting that activity away from the center of your brain where the amygdala resides to the language centers of your brain and to your prefrontal cortex where your executive function is. Now, with people who have ADHD, there's some challenges there as well, but at least we're getting, we're moving the relationship with emotion mm-hmm. out of that super intense feeling. Does that make sense? So name your emotions, being able to say what you're feeling and what you need in the moment are two of the most powerful things that we can do for ourselves and teach other people to do as well. Mm -hmm. Whether you've got little kids, teenagers, even adult humans need to learn how to say what I'm feeling and what I need in this moment. Mm -hmm. Another embodiment practice that I learned long ago, I did my postdoc at the University of Missouri in the student health center. And I focused on mindfulness practices, Mm -hmm. mindfulness, meditation, focusing on your breath, Mm -hmm. focusing on the present moment, bringing yourself back into the present moment is a beautiful practice that helps with embodiment. There was a time in my life where I would get into car accidents, minor ones, but car accidents, because I had left my body. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I'm back in my body and crashing into somebody's Mm -hmm. This was when I was in my Mm twenties. 
mm-hmm. teen, late teens and twenties. So in learning how to just pay attention on purpose in the present moment, this helped train my brain. So it's like doing push-ups for your prefrontal cortex, really. Mm-hmm. It gives me more access to being in the present moment, staying present in my system so that I don't get in car accidents anymore. I haven't been in an accident, knock on wood, for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. But early on, those, and they were never big, I'm using air quotes here, big deals, but enough that there's something wrong, wrong with Robin. What's mm-hmm. wrong with Robin that she's keeps getting in these accidents. Well, the undiagnosed ADHD. ADHD. Yeah. Oh, it's so interesting. You say that because I have like a severe fear of car accidents. Mm-hmm. So I'm very mindful when I drive, but I have noticed, especially after having baby, like there's been times where I've almost like kind of feel my spirit, like wanting to leave my body. Like, it's very interesting the having that awareness, like I can like feel, you know, like kind of that disassociation and I almost have to be like, Nope, we're right here. (laughs) And it's not when I'm driving with her. It's just when I'm like with her, it's totally different. Her I'm like high alert all the time. But when it's just me lately, I've had to really be like, Oh, you have to stay in your body. And I mean, I'm so grateful for these practices because if I didn't have them, I mean, it would be, it would be a little bit scary. And I do want to talk about the prefrontal cortex and like what that, um, what, like with an ADHD brain, with a neurodiverse brain, like what that disconnect is with the executive functioning. Cause I am doing those little push-ups for my prefrontal and pre-baby. I was in a really good place post-baby. It's like my primitive brain. I mean, it's not mm-hmm. like it is my primitive brain is overriding my adult brain, my prefrontal all the time. And it's taking so much effort to, to, to turn it back. I was like all the work that I did leading up to baby. And now all of a sudden my brain's like, okay, we're going to turn that switch off. So, so a couple of things with that one is as a new mom, you're going to have hormonal shifts Mm -hmm. and that's going to be, that's going to impact focus, attention, capacity to stay present, Mm -hmm. sleep deprivation. Mm -hmm getting enough sleep. That's the thing that hit for me is that, you know, if you're feeling yourself leaving your body, when you're driving, there's that lulling sensation of wanting to fall asleep. Like your body is so tired Mm -hmm. that it needs to rest. Mm -hmm. So those are a couple of things that can, I'm going to say interfere just because I don't know a better word, but let's just use that interfere with your capacity to stay present. Mm -hmm. So I know you already know that to be able to make sure you're getting enough sleep, which is impossible. (laughs) I don't have kids, but I had a golden doodle puppy last summer. I was up all the damn time. I was like, Oh my God, like, I I don't even know how moms with actual babies do this. Like, forget it. So (laughs) it's wild. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So that's something to, for you to pay attention to just to understand and to not make yourself wrong for it and not think that you're broken for it either. Those are the things that I think that we need to do a better job at collectively is recognizing and understanding how influenced we are by our hormones, sleep, water intake. It's, we live in the desert, you and I, and it's hot. It's, I don't even know how hot it is today. 850 degrees. I have no idea. (laughs) It's so hot. So making sure you're getting enough water, because that's the other thing for me, I've always struggled in the past with anxiety and depression. Mm -hmm. And if I would wake up feeling depressed, a lot of times it had to do with my hydration levels. Yeah. 
But as, as somebody who's been programmed for a long time to think that there's something wrong with me, then I would go into my head and go, why am I feeling this way? And I have that whiny voice. I don't know if you have a whiny voice, but I have a whiny voice in my head. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, Oh my God. So those are the things, the nurturing that we are, I think, under obligation to do for ourselves in order to be the highest frequency and the most grounded that's, those are the things that I think get neglected in part because, you know, it's easier to do something else or it's easier to do nothing at all. Mm-hmm. So there has to be, I think, a commitment to your overall well-being. I know how hard that is as, you know, whether you're a new mom or you've got competing priorities or whatever it is, but somehow we have to shift our focus enough to prioritize mm-hmm. the very things that will support us not to change our brains necessarily, but to give us access to as much of our resources as we possibly can so that we can be doing our best work in the world. Yeah, I a hundred percent agree. And I actually, before um, Ellie was born, that was a top priority for me was just like, what does self-care look like? It's going to look so different than it used to, but I have made that commitment. And I started that day one, which just included taking two showers a day, which I know if any new moms are listening, they're like two shower. How how did you get two? (laughs) (laughs) But I'm like, awesome. I had to, because the man, the hormones and the the night sweats were like nothing that I've ever experienced, just like drenched in sweat because of all the hormones. But anyway, that has been really important. And I do think that that has helped me so much. Like I don't, I don't even think I realized because it was just a top priority. Like it was just a non-negotiable. It was not even like something that I would question because I understand mm-hmm. how, and I can see how easy it is to put it on the back burner, to put everything else in your life first. And I'm like, well, if there is no me, like taking care of her, taking care of my family, taking care of my business, it's just not going to happen. Um, and I've definitely had this dance between it. Like some days have been better than others, but it has been really interesting. And I know we didn't really get to touch on burnout, but I do want to quickly talk about it. Not even quickly, just, I want to talk about it because there is, and I am feeling this now more than ever, just there's so much pressure. Like there's just so much pressure. We're juggling so much all the time. And then there's this whole work-life balance. And I don't believe in work-life balance. I think that's a lie. It's a scale. Like whoever came up with that cute term, like they're playing with us because that you can't have balance in all these areas. Right. So I want to know what your best advice for ambitious moms, but ambitious, just women. I work with a lot of high achieving women. Um, how do they recover from burnout, trying to juggle all of the things and, um, how can they like work with themselves instead of against it? Mm-hmm. Oh, burnout. <laughs> oh, burnout. And in the last two years, the surge where everybody's at surge capacity, our bodies yeah. are not designed to nope. withstand the amount of stress and uncertainty that has been foisted upon us in the last yeah. couple of years. Yeah. So rising above that, first of all, and recognizing that you're not a cog in a great machine. You're not a robot. Right. You're not a clone. You're not meant to be like anybody else, everybody else or anybody else for that matter. I think one of the, the things that people who like you and I, who have ADHD can do for ourselves when it comes to burnout is stop comparing yourself to somebody who's neurotypical mm-hmm. because their way, <laughs> their way of managing anxiety, their ma- way of managing burnout is going to be completely different 
from yours. You have, you are a magical being who can manifest things at the drop of a hat. Mm-hmm. And yet we put these barriers in front of our, our natural capabilities in order to whatever fit in, maintain the status quo, keep friends, whatever it is, there are a million reasons for that. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to burnout, there are a couple of things that I would want to make a point of. One is that you, you don't recover from burnout by taking a vacation. No, I think it almost makes it worse because then you come back and all of the yeah. things are yeah. still waiting for you. Yes, they are. I heard one time that the feeling of vacation lasts like 24 hours when you go back to work. And then it's like, you never left because you're back in the, you're back in the great machine. You're back in the matrix. Mm -hmm. So when I talk to people about burnout, what we have to really do is clear. I do a lot of energy work with my clients who are burned out first, because a lot of that is coming from projections, old patterns, old ways of relating to work and into the world. And really that, it's almost an unconscious belief that I am a worker. And so therefore I need to give my heart, soul, blood, sweat, and tears to this organization. When you start to take your soul back from the organization, that's your first step in liberating yourself from burnout now and in the future. Mm-hmm. So the care and feeding of your soul is very important as you're recovering from burnout Two, that's the first thing. The second thing is that a lot of this is about energy management. We have to start recognizing that energy is actually a thing. Right. Like acknowledge, like it, it, I, it blows my mind that we, anyone could even deny it. I know, I know, but there are, and, but not us. And so again, we can't look at the neurotypical. We can't look at the, the, those who are firmly grounded in 3d, who really do feel like there's only those five senses and that's it. We can't compare our experiences or our journey or understanding to what they know, because they just, they, they're actually at a quite a disadvantage and we can hope that they wake up and we can hope that they come online and they may or may not, they may not, they may not be coded for that. So rather than comparing yourself to anybody else, taking a step back and just starting to ask questions of what brings me more life, Mm -hmm. where do I draw life from? Mm -hmm. And the other, here's another thing, especially with spiritual entrepreneurs, we're so sensitive to other people's emotions. Mm -hmm. Maybe you can remember this. I was in, I was an undergrad and I would study, I was a biology major. So I was taking organic chemistry and all the really hard classes. I would study, study, study for my exams. And I'd be know everything cold, go sit in the, in the hall to take my exam. And Susie behind me would start chattering. Did you study for this? Did you study for that? Right. And I would feel this level of anxiety, just rising and rising. And then I would start to almost get tunnel vision. Like, Oh my God, like I could feel panic even coming. I thought that was me. What I was, what was happening actually is my mirror neurons were picking up on her, on Susie's emotions. Oh my God. We have to understand that just because you can feel something doesn't mean it's yours. So if it's not yours, you Hmm. can't process it anyway. So you can just let it go. Just Hmm. let it go. Oh, in a so, nutshell. So interesting. And that's why I used to have to take tests in different rooms. And I thought it was because I was, there's something wrong with me again, but absorb it. Was it. So helpful. It was so yeah, helpful. It was, to take- it was so helpful, mm-hmm. but I also felt like an outsider because of course. I was like with my pencils over here with my Scantron and everyone yes. else is over here. Yeah. And so it like further, like kept me out of yeah. the tribe. It's so painful. So painful. It's so painful. And yet 
it was such a benefit to your brain to be able to focus. And Uh one of the things I would say for you is to just go back into those moments and reassure the girl you were Mm -hmm. that this is actually, and you can say, Doc Robin said, this is a really good thing for you. And I'm so glad you have a separate room. I took my um, licensing exam for my, for psychologist in an open space on a computer. I was at the end of the day taking the exam. Some guy came in with his like dust mop and spray and was cleaning like the elephant, like the end of the parade they're cleaning up. I'm like, what are you doing? I'm trying to like, this is my professional. Like, what are you doing? So my ADHD brain is distracted and looking around. It just was, come on guys. Yeah. Wow. Come on. Yeah. And it is, it's like, it, those are difficult things to navigate in this world because our mm-hmm. world is not designed to support mm-hmm. a neurodiverse brain. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, this, I feel like I could just, we could just keep talking. Yeah. This is such a great conversation. Um, thank you so much for sharing all of this with, with me and my listeners. It's been so helpful. I mean, I, before we hit record, I was like, this is a very selfish episode because I am so curious about this intersection and it, and it really does all make sense. Um, the only thing that we didn't touch on that I would love to touch on are when people are trying to escape their circumstance of their work because they are burnt mm-hmm. out and they like hate what they do. They're not valued. You know, all of, they have all of the reasons to leave. Um, I find that when I am working with a client that wants to do that, I always pull back the reins. And I'm like, let's find peace where you are now. So it doesn't follow you. Like, mm-hmm. why are like, why do people think that switching jobs is going to magically fix their problems? I don't know why that is. <laughs> I have friends who are in AA and they call it doing a geographic. They'll say, oh, they're just doing a geographic, meaning that wherever you go, there you are. A hundred percent. I say it's circumstance hopping. I'm like, oh, you're yeah. just going to, you're just going to hop to yeah. a new circumstance. But are. unless and until you, you do the inner work, yeah, you're, you're courageous enough to do the inner work, to look in the dark spots inside your, and behind your own heart, mm-hmm. you'll, you will take that with you. And it's not a bad thing necessarily. It just is that you stay on that same gerbil wheel of learning the same lesson over and over, like let's graduate. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I love that you do that with your clients. I think that that's such an important thing. Hold your horses, sister. Yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's do this inner work first so that you're crystal clear about where you're headed right? and what lights you up and how you're meant to contribute so that then you can go out and actualize that so that you can lean into your highest potential rather than, you know, spinning your wheels right? along with everybody else who's doing the same thing during, you know, we've got the great resignation, the great reshuffle, all the great things that are happening right now, along with the pandemic that yeah. have created the conditions to seek outside of ourselves that which is missing or wounded inside. Mm-hmm. Right. So I'm glad your clients have you doing that work with them. Yeah. It's and I mean, work. I learned that from my own experience. I learned mm-hmm. that like when you switch to the next thing, you're like, why is this still a problem? It's like, oh yeah. Cause it's me. It's me. I'm yeah. the creator of it, but that's what I, you know, that's what I tell my clients all the time. I'm like, it can feel really like heavy to be like, oh, it's my, it's I'm the creator, but I'm like, we're also the solution but it does require doing this work at what does require like looking within ourselves. And I think we're so conditioned to find, and our world makes it very easy to be like, this is the answer. It's outside of you do this by this. Like, uh, and it's, it always, it's actually very simple. It's not easy, but it's simple to just realize like, Oh wait, I get to be, be my own hero in this. So 
Um, this was so great, Robin. I just appreciate mm-hmm. your time so much. Um, I know we were talking about leadership styles and you said you have a quiz on your website. Tell me a little bit more about that. So if you go to my website, drdrrobynmckay.com and just hover there for a second, there's a quiz that pops up and it's about leadership styles. What I find for most spiritual entrepreneurs who are also have a diagnosis of ADHD, usually we're visionary leaders, but there are four different leadership styles that I've derived from that personality assessment I was actually sharing with you earlier. It's a really great way of understanding how you're showing up as, for example, if you are a a visionary leader as a way shower Mm -hmm. and I'm going to say normalizing it for you, building confidence in you because you're not, there aren't very many of us in the world who are way showers and those who are need some support. We need to be, it's almost like we need permission to just be ourselves. And that's kind of what that quiz does. Mm -hmm. So I always say it's not necessarily a fun quiz, but it is very educational and maybe it's fun. I don't know. I do too. And I'm so glad you said fun because fun is a core value of mine. Like yeah. I always, if I, if things are feeling like with burnout or things that are feeling tough, I'm always like, okay. Like if I want to connect to my core, like who I am, because I just came into this world and fun is like at my core, how mm-hmm. can I make this fun? How can I bring enjoyment to this? Where can I bring ease? And it always opens things up. Um, so my last question for you is like, what brings you joy? Like, what do you do for fun? That's just like for Robin, nobody else. Well, I like to do the trapeze. Although Amazing. I haven't done it for a while. There's actually trapeze in, in Phoenix. Yeah. I that I, I, where right, is that? It's um, it used to be at the Phoenician. It might still be there. So I love to do trapeze. I love to do adventure things. My husband and I spend a lot of time in Sedona climbing rocks and going off trail and finding little deer trails around to, you know, walk along the Canyon walls and that sort of thing. But my heart is lit up by this little puppy that I have. He's not little anymore. He's like 75 pounds. Cooper, Cooper Mac. Cooper. He, Cooper is my, Mac. he is my buddy and just my like, mm-hmm. anyway, so he's my, my joy bringer oh my and, and lights yeah. me up. So I anyway, that's that. what I do. That I, I mean, I relate to all of that. I, we, my husband and I are also both value adventurers. So we, and we love going to Sedona and just any, anywhere we can be outdoors, but my dog always brings me joy. Even yeah, yeah. now when he's, he's like a toddler because yeah, yeah. Ellie is taking all of the attention away. And it is literally like having a toddler. Like if you don't say hi to him first before going to baby, he will bark at you. He will like do, cause you know how doodles, they don't bite, but they mouth. Like he's yes. just like, it is so hilarious and yep. you have to give him love first. And it's so funny. Cause the end of the day, it's just me, Brian and Benji. Ellie goes to bed and it's just the three of us. We snuggle. Mm-hmm. He's in bed with us. Aww. And that's, that's not enough for him. Like he needs it all the time. So all the time. I totally, yeah. I get it, but he oh. does. He brings me so much joy and them together is like my heart sometimes just can't, it feels like it's just yeah. like exploding. So, so good. Yeah. Well, Robin, this was amazing. Thank you Big so love. much. Big love. Um, let people know where they can find you. We have your website, but you also have a podcast. I do. And- my mindset RX is my podcast. I'm actually starting a new podcast All right. named TBD on ADHD and spiritual entrepreneurship. So stay tuned. I am so there. I cannot you, wait. You may be getting an invitation to be a guest on that one. And then find me on Instagram, Dr. Dr. Follow me there. 
Awesome. I will put all of that in the show notes and I'll also put an easy link to um, the leadership style too. Awesome. Thank you so much for your time. You're welcome. Well, zippity do da day. Oh my goodness. That conversation could not have come at a better time. It's just so crazy. The intuitive hits that I get with the people that I connect with through the podcast. Like I don't necessarily have everybody that comes through my inbox to be on the show. I don't necessarily interview them because they're not always aligned with um, my mission and my values, but there are some people that come through that inbox that I instantly connect with. And Robin was definitely one of those people. Wow. That was such a powerful conversation. And I feel like I learned so much about myself in that short period of time. I don't talk about my ADHD diagnosis very often, but it is a very important part of my story that has led me down this path of becoming an entrepreneur and it being kind of an accident. Like I talk about this a lot that I'm an accidental entrepreneur. I never thought that I would be in this place, Um, but it's hilarious because as I've learned more about neurodiverse brains, entrepreneurship is really the best path for my brain and how I function. Now, there's a lot of things about having challenges with my executive function being an entrepreneur, but there's ways that I have learned to work with it and not against it. And having these types of conversations really helps affirm that. And it's just so powerful. But I think one of the things that I'm just called to share right now at the end of the episode, if you've made it to this point, is If you have a dream, if you have something that you want to do in your life, I hope that you go after it. I really believe that I'm here to be an example of what's possible because I don't have anything different than what you have. Um, I... I have have a lot of limitations. I had a lot of limitations and I had a lot of things of holding me back. And I, through all these practices that I teach, have worked through them so I can live the life that I so deeply desire. And I just, it's, it's mind blowing what I've been able to create. And it's not because I have any special talents or gifts. I mean, truly, (laughs) I, I don't think I have very many special talents or gifts and I don't need those talents or gifts. I just need the heart and the energy and the drive to keep moving forward no matter how scary or messy that it is. And I just think having these kinds of conversations really show that. So I wanted to leave you with that today because if you want to create a podcast, if you want to start a business, if you want to do something that your heart is calling you to, I'm here to give you permission to go explore it. Go go see what will happen because I guarantee if you just follow that intuition that you will blow your mind at the life that you can create. So if you have any questions about the show, if you have a takeaway, anything that just popped up throughout listening to this episode, we would love, 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 love to hear it. I'm also taking connection calls. I would love to have you be a part of the Mind Over Matter group 
program. It is my flagship program where I walk you through the same exact method that I use to get to where I am today. Now, I believe that everybody is on their own journey, but with the right support container and space, you too can live life on your terms. All right, my friend, until next time, remember to love yourself, own your happiness, and let your light shine because you are so worthy of it, my friend. I'm sending you so much love and a big old hug. Until next time.